GeorgiaAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome into another Bulldogs Extra podcast and another Georgia shutout, Ryan. Mm. This one was not Vanderbilt. It was a uh, top 10 team Georgia faced. Mark Weiser here, UJB writer with Ryan Dennis, sports editor of the Banner Herald. What, Ryan, was the best part of your weekend watching the Bulldogs? Absolutely. I didn't have much else to do, so I sat back with a beer and watched Georgia dominate Arkansas, a uh, top 10 team. I hope you did not drink a beer before <laughs> Ryan got married on Saturday night. Now, he, he didn't know the, the kickoff time for Georgia. We got Arkansas. lucky. I was the only person, apparently, that was uh, happy about Had a 5 o'clock wedding. I was thrilled that it was a noon kickoff, to be honest. You were not watching the fourth quarter, were you? Uh, I was getting ready. I was getting ready. We watched uh, pretty much the entire game, yeah. Um, and uh, saw Georgia dominate, I mean, even their third stringers. Ryan was showing me his uh, his wedding ring. Now, it's kind of weird for a guy to be showing a wedding ring. But tell, tell the backstory behind your wedding ring. <laughs> well, uh, I thought it was pretty, so I showed you. No, uh, that's not why. Uh, no, it's uh, it's made out of uh, Jack Daniels whiskey barrel. And uh, so I wanted to go something unique. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't too expensive. So we uh, pulled the trigger on it. All right. We're going to talk uh, less about Ryan's wedding, mm-hmm. more about the Georgia Bulldogs. And we'll talk about the uh, big matchup this week at Auburn. And we'll have uh, one of the Auburn beat writers from the Montgomery Advertiser joining us. That's uh, Bennett Durando. Uh, and uh, he'll be with us a little bit later. Uh, Ryan, I know you will have no um, uh, conflicts on Saturday. I believe uh, your Atlanta Braves have a game two on Saturday, which might be around the same time as Georgia's. Yeah, it'll uh, be about off. halftime, I think. Maybe I'll switch over watch an inning or something during, during halftime. But. Uh, you know, have you ever thought like where you'd rank what you'd watch if it if everything played at the same time? Like if if every team you either covered or pulled for or whatever played at the same time? Yeah, I mean that's happened with uh, my Washington Capitals playing at the same time as the Wizards in a playoff matchup. Oh wow! Uh, and I, I went with the Capitals because I felt like they had a better chance to advance than the Wizards. I've talked with some friends about this. Maybe even Saturday as we were uh, watching the Georgia game. But like what you know. A Falcons being in the Super Bowl would be a little bit ahead of like a Georgia football playing Vanderbilt, right? So, you know, it would all kind of, you'd have to balance it all out. Like, where would the uh, Hawks fall into all this, I wonder, you know, as an Atlanta sports fan? Well, now, I mean, now. I know, exactly. But yeah. if, if, you know, a, a, a midseason game against uh, the Charlotte Hornets wouldn't be as high as last year's Eastern Conference Championship. Yeah, I mean, I don't really watch too much <laughs> NBA regular season yeah. to begin well, with. Anyway. So are you all in on the Braves? Will, you, will they uh, sweep the uh, Brewers or something? Uh, no, I have no faith in the Braves whatsoever or any Atlanta team, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll surprise us. They'll get through that one. Then they got to face, you know, either the 103-win Dodgers or the 104-5-win uh, Giants in the next round. So, uh, you know, I think with what the Braves have done so far this season, I mean, you go from – being a 500 team till about the last two months and then you take off, you know, maybe they are riding some momentum into the, into the playoffs and can, and can do something against the uh, Brewers. But I don't have expectations. And, uh, you know, I think that's how you should go into any playoffs with an Atlanta sports team. 
I saw the Braves. Uh, no, I guess they opened their series Friday night. Is yeah, it night? it's a weird time. It's, it's like in it like four thirty-seven. Oh, it's not night. It's Friday evening. I guess they figured. Yeah. I figured. I imagine they feel the Brewers are not going to be a, be a big TV draw. Yeah, um, but, but the Braves are back on TBS. Yeah. So uh, get Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren on the call. Didn't they used to have the Nets behind? Uh, I used to watch them like you know when I was growing up. They yeah. were on TBS, so you, you could see a lot of the Braves were, were America's team. Were because, they? Because they're on TBS, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know, but that, you know, you kind of had to battle the Cubs on. I think they must have had a, a bad camera shot because I used to see the, the netting all over the place. Uh, um, well, you also probably saw a few fans <laughs> in the eighties at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Hey, and you know, um, I think you know that was that's still a big draw today. The fact that the Braves were a, a nationally televised right, team sure. because yeah. you know they'll go out to San Diego and it'll be six percent Braves fans out there. So when the Braves were leaving for their plane ride, I guess yeah. Wait, is it, is it, they start in Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah, I saw those pictures. Yeah, yeah. so it was like kind of like a dog walk. Like <laughs> they, they were all dressed up and ready to go, but they had their wives with them and stuff. Yeah. Um, Except I, for uh, who's the starting pitcher game one? Uh, it's either Freed or Morton. Yeah, I think it's Freed. I guess yeah. is he the starter? I don't know. Yeah. Was well, anyway, he he, he, he didn't have a, a significant other with him. Oh. He was he was all focused on baseball. I guess. Good for him. All right, Ryan. Let's talk uh, less on the Braves and let's get uh, back to. Uh, Talking about the number two ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, when will we see JT Daniels play football again? <laughs> he has a lat strain, grade one, did not play, obviously, against yeah. Arkansas. Stetson Bennett threw the ball, I think it was 11 times, something like that. Seven and, for 11, right? And uh, they just pounded uh, Arkansas in the run game, took advantage of uh, very attractive uh, boxes, and, uh, you know, big day for Zamir White, James Cook, and company. Well, I mean, they said afterwards, you know, they, they took whatever the Arkansas defense gave them, and I'm bad at math, but what was it, a 3-4 four, four defense or something where they pretty much begged them to, to run the ball, and so they did. And, you know, to answer your question about JT, does anybody know? We thought he'd play against UAB. Apparently, you know, he doesn't. You know, you thought he'd play the, the next week. He gets a quarter in against Vanderbilt or, you know, and, and – uh, looked very good, and then the following week he's hurt again. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Is this an issue now? I mean, obviously he had the gruesome injury at USC. Is he a guy that's just now going to be known as being you know injured all the time? I mean, I had this conversation with someone else, I think it was yesterday. You know, if he wants to go to the NFL after this season, he needs to put – um, you know, more games on film, you would think. But again, you don't don't also want to put stuff on film that looks like you're, you know, 70% and you're right, not performing right. at a high level, um, you know, without having access to practice beyond Monday where we saw JT just hand the ball off. If you read what, what Kirby Smart said and you listen to him like we did in the press conferences last on Tuesday, I guess it was, I mean, it's, they are taking this thing cautiously. They don't want to have a setback. I'd be surprised, you know, if if, uh, if Stetson's not your starter on Saturday, um, you know, but, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, I don't even know if, you know, JT will be ready uh, if they need him in a backup uh, role. Um, I think once he's ready to go, he's going to be rolled out there just like he was, uh, you know, against South Carolina. Well, I mean, you know, Stetson obviously has, has had his moments. They didn't need him the other day against UAB. I mean, apples and oranges, I guess, when you're talking about U.S. Uh, I mean, a, uh, an SEC team against uh, a, a team like UAB. But uh, when you've needed Stetson, you know, the past two years, he's pretty much come up big for you. The other day, he dropped that pass in. Who was it? Kenny McIntosh down the sideline. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That's the only play they needed out of him, really. You know, they hand the ball off. They pound. They took advantage of what Arkansas was giving them. Uh, now, against Arkansas, 
you know, it might be a different story. So you mean, uh, I mean, uh, Auburn, sorry, yeah. it might be a different story. So, um, you know, I think Todd Munkin has, has, uh, you know, come up with some good game plans to, to not absolutely need Stetson Bennett, but, uh, you know, at times when they've needed him, he, he's come through pretty big. In, in fact, was it kind of last year against Auburn? It was the second game of the year. It's kind of his coming out party. He had a big day against uh, Auburn, and uh, you know, I, I expect it, that he could do it again this year. Can Stetson Bennett lead this team to a national title? No, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're saying you're saying well, that definitively. It would have to. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. But you would think that this team with JT Daniels would would be the kind of give you more hope. And no, I realize that. What I'm saying is that if, let's say Daniels does play, he has another setback and they just shut it down for some reason or another, um, you know, how how far can you go with him? I mean, I, I guess with this defense, yeah. anything's possible, yeah. you know. It can, can Stetson Bennett get you uh, 14 points? That might be all you need against uh, who, who would they face, a Cincinnati possibly or uh, Iowa or maybe Ohio State sneaks back in there. Wait, you're not saying you're saying Alabama's not going to make the national title game if they uh, No, no, I meant in the first round of the playoffs yeah. is what I is what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. So you know, get past that, and then you know, we'll see what happens against an Alabama. That'll be their second matchup against Alabama. Though. Which, well, they're going to they're going to play them in in Atlanta, and uh, right. you know, Georgia and and Alabama to me are is one and one a. I mean, they yeah. they are, you know. I'm trying to. Remember. I guess Bama's got Texas A&M on Saturday. No, there. Yeah. No, no. I'm not saying that. What I'm yeah. saying is that you know I'm looking for, you know, uh, for instance, Auburn just played at Georgia State a couple of weeks ago. If uh, if Bama had that kind of matchup and Georgia went up against an Auburn, that would be the opportunity I think to flip them and put Georgia at number one. Yeah, I don't. Sure. I don't think Kirby's losing sleep either way. Yeah. Whether his team is one or two, I mean, it's going to be decided on the field in in December at Mercedes Benz. Uh, but like as you mentioned with this defense. I mean, you know, this is this is generational for for how these guys are playing, uh, in terms of you know whether you want to talk about the 2011 Alabama defense. I mean, this mm-hmm. is you know right now it's going down as the best Georgia defense ever. I would think, um, you know, back to back shutouts, um, you know, seven three and outs on ten drives for Arkansas. Um, you know, just just some really you know incredible stuff. And you know, I was watching the other day pretty closely as I was getting ready for my wedding. Um, but just the way they set the edge. I was watching Robert Bill, actually, you know, and he's a guy that uh, – how would you describe Robert Bill's time at Georgia? Uh, tumultuous at times, you know, kind of uh, up and down. But he's, he's getting a chance to play a lot this year. And the way he set the edge there, you know, I think it was an option. And he just did his part and then somebody came and swooped in. It might have been a Channing Tindall or a Nakobe. And also like the way that uh, Dan Lanning is, and, and Kirby Smart, I'm sure, uh, has a hand in that too. I mean, they are just throwing all sorts of different packages at them. And you never know which guy's coming at you. And and it has just been, I mean, it's been fun to watch so far. And, uh, you know, I heard a coach the other day say, for the 10 minute time, I've never lost when I allowed zero points to the opponent. And Georgia is uh, definitely taking that strategy so far this year. Was that a high school coach? It was a high school coach, of course. And, of course, it wasn't the first time I'd ever heard that one. Devontae White, six tackles, three solo, one and a half sacks, uh, forced fumble. This is a defensive tackle. uh, But, you know, this is kind of what we saw, you know, I think flashing at G-Day 
Um, and, you know, he missed a game uh, for a discipline issue. I, I presume it wasn't an injury issue. But, I mean, I wrote about the defensive line this week. I mean, if you look at Wyatt, you look at Jordan Davis, uh, you look at Jalen Carter, Trayvon Walker, you know, then the guys behind him that, that come in like Tremel Waltower, et cetera. I mean, you know, it's an incredible front seven and these guys up front. Now, you know, it'll be a different deal this week with Bo Nix. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, with the Auburn beat writer. But, you know, I mean, the amazing thing is I wrote about 2013 John Jenkins, the last NFL draft pick from Georgia on the defensive line. Wow. I mean, that shouldn't happen at a place like Georgia. It's not going to happen anymore. Hmm. Georgia's going to have a draft pick year after year after year, I believe, uh, you know, when you look at, at what's in the system and uh, guys that they're still working and recruiting and that kind of thing. Um, you know, how much of a difference is that just to, to have the quality that they have? And, and, you know, you're talking about a six-year guy in Devontae Wyatt, a super senior, Jordan Davis, uh, you know, a senior as well. Um, and then the other two guys are younger, but five stars. I mean, that's where it starts, right up front there with those big guys. And uh, I remember Kirby, when he first got here, kept talking about how they needed to get beefier up front, you know, because I mean, they're not making the tackles, but they're taking up two blocks and freeing up a Nakobe to come in to, to make the tackle or, you know, Quay Walker or any of those uh, speedy linebackers. And, and I mean, it's, it's where it all starts and, and where Kirby made a point that he was going to get those guys. And, uh, you know, what do you think? Was Quinnen Williams at, uh, at Alabama mm-hmm. a couple years back? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and he was third overall pick. Can Jordan, can Jordan Davis be that, that I high? I, I don't think so. I mean, there's questions about whether he can be on the field on third downs right, in the NFL. Right. Um, you know, showing a lot of ability to chase down guys on the perimeter from his, you know, nose guard position but right. you know you're, you're seeing Jalen Carter roll when they're on third down most of the time which uh, isn't a which isn't much of a fall off I tell no. you and how about or I don't know if you're going to talk about it later but putting him at fullback what he did on that play yeah you got Davis there kind of as an Jeez. extra blocker on, on the offensive line and then you got Carter we saw Carter didn't Carter have a touchdown pass or was that yeah last a, year he called it uh it might have been against no it wasn't against Auburn I didn't even remember that was that a game or G-Day I can't remember yeah no it was a game it was a game yeah, yeah. All right, uh, flipping from the defense, let's just make a quick mention. Um, Jackpot Lesney's started to turn it around, 39, 37, 46-yard field goals. He's got his groove back, I guess. I mean, I, I guess that's always a uh, something that could you know flip in the other direction. But good that he's back in that kind of uh, mindset, I guess, as you head to Auburn where you know you don't want to kick field goals, but you might have to on, a, on occasion. Right. And he uh, has kept the streak alive, started by Rodrigo, right? Uh, or, you know, might even go back before Rodrigo. We need to look that up. But oh, they're either over 400 straight uh, extra points made or, or approaching that. Great. Good, good job of jinxing them. Yeah. Probably, hey, <laughs> yeah, blame the Bulldogs extra podcast when he misses it all. Um, yeah. Well, he's going to have plenty of chances to, to kick field goals. Um, although the schedule is toughening it up, we'll talk about Auburn in a second with uh, the writer that we mentioned, Bennett. Uh, and you got a ranked Kentucky team, which gets LSU this week, and then Florida, which just lost at Kentucky, mm. coming the week after. But let's now uh, bring in uh, the Auburn beat writer and uh, talk more about the Tigers and Bulldogs on Saturday. All right, we're ready to talk Auburn Tigers and Georgia Bulldog matchup Saturday. Let's bring on Bennett Durando of the Montgomery Advertiser, who covers Auburn. Bennett, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, good to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right, so it's your first year covering Auburn, and um, didn't realize this until uh, this week when I, your name rang a bell to me, and I went into uh, 
I wanted to ask you about going into the noble profession of sports writing, which uh, I guess runs in your family. Uh, is this kind of like uh, a Manning? Did you have to become a sports writer? It, it's one of those things where I grow up around, you know, newspaper people, and, and I think that uh, the the common joke was always like, oh, oh, you're they haven't been able to talk you out of going into journalism yet. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. I, I always thought it was the coolest job in the world, just uh, shadowing either of my parents when I was a kid to um, to a training camp or a sporting event and just sort of uh, seeing what, what that was all like. And I guess I guess they couldn't talk me out of it. So, so here I am. <laughs> Uh, let the listeners know, I guess, uh, your parents' um, names and, and uh, you know, the, who they covered and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, my, my dad is Stu Durando. Um, he covered uh, Illinois and other sports for a long time at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Now he covers SLU for the Post-Dispatch. Um, has sort of been one of their lead college sports writers for a long time. And then my mom, Elizabeth Holland Durando, uh, she used to cover the Rams for a little bit, right around the greatest show on turf years when the Rams won a Super Bowl. And while they were still in St. Louis, I guess. Um, but then she ended up going uh, news side and eventually left the paper. Okay. All right, well, let's uh, flip it and talk a little bit about the team you're covering now, the Auburn Tigers. Ponix went from being benched, I guess, against Georgia State to having a uh, pretty good showing against LSU where he was uh, showing his uh, wizardy, wizardy as a uh, scrambling uh, quarterback, maybe like a Fran Tarkenton back in the Georgia days a long time ago. Um, what, what, uh, which Bo Nix do you think we're going to see on Saturday? You know, it's tough to say because uh, I think Georgia's pressure is going to be a little more disciplined. If, if Auburn can't block for Bo Nix, uh, he's not going to be able to, to create 10, 11 seconds of time before he makes a throw after the snap. Um, but, but he has some of that wizardry. That's, that's part of the package with him, and that's what, part of what Auburn got in 2019 with him as a five-star. Uh, and I think what's interesting about Nix is in this new offense, he sort of was trying to be used as a stay-in-the-pocket kind of guy the first few games of the year uh, with Mike Bobo and Brian Harson's system. And against LSU was really the first time that part of the game plan was for him to use his legs a lot more uh, as a decision-maker and then you know, just as a product of LSU's pressure as a scrambler. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Auburn is sort of leaning into Nix's strengths right now a little bit more, so there's inevitably going to be a bit more of that. Um, you know, there's sort of just a little bit of a tension, a little bit of a push, I think, between what Nix has been traditionally good at and and what Harson and Bobo wanted to do with this offense, but, but they sort of found that balance against LSU, and the offense looked great when it was clicking. Uh, obviously, Georgia's defense is just another story altogether though there's there's just nothing in college football like that what, what's the fanfare around auburn or, or from auburn fans around bo Nix? obviously like you said came in as a five-star you know played well at times got benched a couple weeks ago against uh, georgia state uh but oh you know comes out last week kind of gets himself back into good graces so to speak what what's the fans reaction to uh to bo Nix right now 
Yeah, it's a roller coaster ride. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm new here, as, as you mentioned. Uh, so this has sort of been my first taste of the fan base the last couple of months. But uh, I, Bo, the thing about Bo Nix is, you know, he's a legacy quarterback here. Um, his, his dad, Patrick Nix, was Auburn's quarterback in the 90s. And, uh, you know, Auburn means the world to Bo. Uh, and and I think I think Auburn fans sort of recognize that they recognize that he's not just a quarterback who came in from like Tennessee or or somewhere else. You know, this has just sort of been part of Bo's blood and part of his life for all this time. And so when he when he has great moments, I think the fans really get behind him and they and they do believe. Um, but you know, there was a lot of frustration against Georgia State. Um, and a lot of people, I, the the student section had been chanting, "We want Finley." Uh, a couple of drives before Finley actually came in to replace Nix in the third quarter. So, I, I guess it's a fickle sport, and it just just sort of goes to show how quickly things can change. But winning really remedies everything. Auburn's offensive coordinator, as you mentioned, was is Mike Bobo, who. Georgia fans know from being a longtime quarterbacks coach and uh, coordinator under Mark Rick here at Georgia, went to Colorado State. Uh, I think he spent five seasons out there before uh, they, they made a change, went to South Carolina, was the interim coach last year against Georgia, and it didn't go well for them. What does the uh, offense uh, look like now uh, under Mike Bobo, and do you think it's kind of a uh, combination between Harson and Bobo in terms of uh, you know how the offense is being shaped? And uh, I think I remember, wasn't there a controversial call that that came uh, against Penn State late? Yes, there was. Um, well, first of all, the, the offense is uh, Bobo is doing the play calling every game. So that, but our understanding is pretty much that philosophically, it, it's a bit of a combination of Bobo's ideas and Harson's ideas, and then I think that those pretty much align anyway. But um, they both sort of have that pro style approach. Um, they both came in sort of promising that they were going to get the tight ends involved in the passing game a lot more, which was something Auburn needed anyway because they lost their top three receivers from last year, and now John Samuel Shanker is the team's leading receiver as a tight end. But, um, you know, so I, I think there's been a lot of adjustments into that offense. And, and against Penn State, it was uh, a fourth and goal at the two-yard line with about three minutes left, and they were down 28-20. Uh, and after the snap, Bo pretty much immediately uh, turns to his right, throws up a goal line fade to Kobe Hudson, a sophomore receiver, which also I think was on the same side of the field board. Jaquan Bricker was defending Penn State's best defensive back and one of their best players. Uh, so immediately, I mean, there was no chance for Hudson to make the catch float over the back of the end zone, and and we're like, wow, what a, what a dud on sort of a game-deciding play. Um, after the game, Harson and, and Nix uh, both were like, yeah, maybe there were five options on the play. Uh, there, there was a little bit of a, almost a joke, like, why didn't you hand it off to Tank Bigsby? He's, he's your Marshawn Lynch in that spot. Why do you throw instead of, you know, running it, which is what it worked for them all day? Um, but Bigsby was one of the options. As quickly as Nick's threw it, it you know you have to wonder about the other four options and and just how uh, 
how, how much Kobe was sort of the first read on that. And, and I don't know, it, it was sort of a mess of a play and definitely controversial in the moment. But, you know, the, the funny thing is three straight games now, the defining moment of the game for Auburn has been a fourth down, uh, and that one was a disaster. And the two since then have been a fourth and goal against Georgia State with the game on the line where T.J. Finley makes an amazing, elusive play throws the touchdown pass, and then uh, obviously the one that everyone has seen that Bo Nix made uh, in the second quarter against LSU. So, you know, three fourth downs, uh, two sort of magical plays, and, and one that Auburn fans would rather forget. Getting back to Brian Harson, you know, a guy that comes in from Boise, and uh, it seemed at the time that people were like, really, are we going that route, you know, here at Auburn? And, yeah, you know, then he comes in, and, and, and I think except for that Georgia State showing, you know, it appears from from Athens anyway that fans are pretty pleased with the job he's done so far. So, what's the vibe on the Harson hire and how things have gone through his first few games? Yeah, I keep thinking about this this week. Um, this is going to sound dumb or basic, but but it, it really the win against LSU makes such a huge difference. Like winning, the difference between winning and losing there. Uh, is is the world right now in terms of perception of Auburn football because if they lose that game, they are going into Georgia thinking, all right, you're three and two, you've lost the two games that sort of matter as like power five tests, both on the road, both against you know good teams. I guess it remains to be seen how good LSU is, but. Um, you know, those look like disappointing losses that you couldn't come away with either of those. They barely beat Georgia State. They had to replace a quarterback in that game. They had to – they fired a receivers coach after the Georgia State game, and it sort of looks like at 3-2 and two with some of those changes and, and being unable to get a win in a big game, the things are sort of off the rails early on. Instead, they win that game uh, – you know, and maybe this just goes to show how huge sort of the college football middle class is this year after Alabama and Georgia. But Auburn is a top 20 team now, um, and and they have their first win at LSU since 1999, which is just crazy. And I think uh, throughout the week, fans have sort of been soaking that in. And I mean, that's that's a way to win over a fan base right there because Gus Malzahn. Uh, never won at LSU. I don't think he ever won in Athens either. Uh, winning on the road was, was a huge issue for Malzahn, and, and to be able to do that in Harson's first game uh, in Baton Rouge is a pretty huge deal. And now, you know, you're 4-1. and one. The decision to switch in Finley against Georgia State was enough for them to scrape out that win. Then he sticks with his guns with Bo Nix uh, the next week, and Bo Nix looks fantastic and they pull out that one so it sort of seems like all of his moves have worked out the right way for Auburn to to squeak out these last two games Um, and and I think that's going to be valuable because Harson and his staff are both really good at in-game adjustments I think that's been the biggest takeaway so far Um, and Auburn's had to play from behind in all of its games Uh, but you know being able to play from behind there's something to be said for making those in-game adjustments with as many teams in college football this year sort of being middle of the pack, I think. It, it won't work out that easily against Georgia. Georgia's going to 
uh, if you fall behind 12 or 13 to Georgia early, it's game over. You mentioned tight ends. Um, you're the leading receiver is a tight end this year. But for Georgia fans, there's a familiar name that uh, had a touchdown against LSU, Tyler Fromm, Jake's younger brother. I guess he was uh, maybe – I guess that was his first game of the year. I'm not sure if he was dealing with injuries. But I don't know if you guys have had a chance to talk to him and, and know much of the uh, Fromm family story with him going to Auburn and um, you know whether Jake's now wearing Auburn colors up in Buffalo or what. Yeah, um, we we talked to From after the game. He had some amazing. So he was on the receiving end of that uh, the Bonix fourth down scramble touchdown, uh, and and he was hilarious. Tyler's uh, great. I, I'm trying to find some of the things he said, but he was like, I I I don't remember making the catch. I don't remember <laughs> celebrating. It's all it's all just a high that I can't explain. Um, you know, and, and he sort of—I I think he was was just clearly on cloud nine about that play, and he was named uh, one of the weekly team captains this week. So, you know, it's a big deal for him. Bo Nix said yesterday that that Bo's favorite thing about you know what has uh, came out of that touchdown pass was just how much attention Tyler has gotten, and um, you know what a what a big deal it's been for him to sort of be in the spotlight these last few days. But, you know, he's he can be pretty valuable. He There was another play in that game against LSU uh, that sort of foreshadowed it, the touchdown where um, it's an RPO and, and it's clearly going nowhere. LSU had it read pretty perfectly. Um, and Bo's trying to decide whether he should just fall a line behind the – a yard behind the line of scrimmage and instead – uh, from sort of is flashed out and, and it's a little shovel pass that gets like 10 yards on third down um, just over the top and so you know he he has a knack for being in the right place at the right time and, and sort of having that unspoken communication with Bo on, on big plays and on breakdown uh, so there's something to be said for that I, I'm sure it's a really exciting week for him um, and you know he'll, he'll be involved he, he and uh, Luke Deal and John Samuel Shanker have all been pretty involved at the tight end position. He must have the funny gene, Mark. It seemed like Jake was <laughs> all business all the time. Maybe he got the, the funny side of the of the family. But uh, did Kiaris Jackson, <laughs> Georgia wide receiver, he, he made some comments this week, I think, about emptying out the stadium or, uh, you know, making it a home field and run up the points or something along those lines. <laughs> I was wondering if those uh, comments made their way to Auburn and if any of the uh, players have – mention that or, or, or it's come up at all uh, in a press conference? I actually haven't heard anything about it here. I, I know those comments were made and everything. Uh, it hasn't come up in a press conference. Um, I, I haven't quite figured out yet whether Harson is a is a big sort of Bolton board material kind of guy. I covered Missouri before this, and Eli Drinkwitz was like, the ultimate Bolton board coach, he just would put any newspaper clipping or, or quotes from an opponent the week before a game on every locker in the team facility. And it was almost over the top what, what he would sort of do with that. But I, I haven't gotten a read on, on Harson's sort of philosophy with that yet. Um, I'm sure it has reached the players and, you know, they're, they're going to use it to, to light a fire and all that. I also saw that, you know, we were talking with, um, Auburn's Auburn basketball's Jabari Smith the other day, uh, and and he you know he just sort of made a 
sort of an offhanded comment like, yeah, I think Auburn will win this weekend. I'll be there. Um, and I, it seemed like some Georgia people on Twitter were using that as Fulton board material, and I was a little confused about that one because it seemed like something any basketball player would say about his football team. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't quite heard anything um, in terms of whether that's really making the rounds in the locker room. <laughs> That would be a new one. I haven't heard about a guy from another sport <laughs> providing bulletin board material for the opposing team. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. All right. Hey, Bennett, we're going to get you out here uh, with, with this last question. What do you think it's going to take for this game to be close? And I'll say that just because George has pounded everyone last, you know, several games. Uh, normally I might say to win, but, you know, I'll take either of those uh, approaches if you think they have a chance to win or, you know, how, how do you see this thing being uh, still up for grabs, you know, in the fourth quarter? Yeah, uh, Auburn needs to slow the game down. Um, I've, I've been trying to look through as many stats and numbers and see if there's some sort of formula for Auburn to have a chance to win. Um, and the best bet I've got is that, you know, Georgia's, I don't even know if this qualifies as a weak spot. As, as much as Georgia runs the ball and they're very effective at it, um, Auburn has been really good at stopping the run, especially against teams that predominantly run the ball. Um, Auburn's been tested on the ground, I think 170 carries against them, and they're allowing 2.51 yards per carry. So if they load the box and uh, if, if Georgia is just heavily skewed toward the run, maybe they will be more so if, if Stetson Bennett's a quarterback. I'm not quite sure how that'll work out but but if you do that maybe you get a few stops um you slow the game down if it's run heavy instead of pass heavy and then and good luck scoring <laughs> that that's where that's where i'm stumped and where everyone's been stumped so uh i guess i guess it'll probably take some more bonix wizardry on the offensive side all right bennett we appreciate you uh, joining us and i guess i will see you uh in the press box Saturday with uh, we got some glorious I think it's uh, end zone seats uh, now at Auburn something like that uh, on the corner yeah it's not not the best view (laughs) All right, appreciate it very much thank you yeah no thank you very much good to be here All right, thank Bennett uh, Durando for joining us talking about Auburn Ryan, he was talking about, uh, you know, how, how Auburn's pretty good at stopping the run. Now, I don't know if Georgia's, you know, running stats. Obviously, when you're winning games like they have been in the fourth quarter, you're going to just be, you know, handing the ball off and killing the clock and letting the game end. I mean, if Daniels was starting, I think they'd be fine with just, you know, tossing the ball over the place. And maybe they will. I mean, they did against UAB. If, they, right. if that's the opportunity, they'll well, take their shots. Had, had it been a thing all year that their running game's been struggling until until last week? A couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they finally kind of yeah. I don't know about struggling, but just not hitting the explosive plays. Right, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but they uh, they all, I think it was like four different guys got 10 carries against Arkansas. It was, uh, you know, that's kind of the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Man, that's, uh, that's pretty it's a loaded backfield. You know, right there, where you can bring in a, you know, a Kenny McIntosh or a Kendall Milton or you know Zamir. I think I saw a stat where Zamir White has not um, had a negative, hadn't had a rush for a loss so far this year. And you know, then that run the other day where he, how did he stay up on that one? He, he went down, looked like he slipped. Yeah. I, you know, and every time something like that happens, I worry about his knees. You know, and uh, he just bounced right. You know, kept his balance and right into the end zone. That was uh, very impressive. 
it's just that Sanford Stadium, uh, you know, immaculate turf where you don't. You know. Well, you know, Georgia going to Tennessee here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's always a concern going into that place. I think they've haven't they done some changes? <laughs> Maybe so. I, I, I don't know. Apparently, that place used to be a cement, you know, uh, parking lot type of deal. Hey, we were talking, you know, in that last segment about Brian Harson. I was driving in today. I put on the uh, Aaron Murray Drew Butler podcast, and it was interesting that Aaron Murray said that. You know, he's doing the CBS. Uh, it's kind yeah. of, you know, it's the, the B crew, I guess you could say, because the A crew is doing the, the primetime game. Uh, but Murray said that Auburn um, did not allow the CBS crew into practice this week. Now, he was at Georgia earlier in the week. But Harson has a clamp down, and I don't know if that's because Aaron's a former Georgia quarterback and he thinks they're going to, hmm. you know, share information or what. But, you know, that... Hey, he's he might have been coaching at Boise State, but he's got the SEC coaching paranoia going on. Did he uh, not let Rick Neuheisel in? No, nobody from the crew nobody. Would, yeah, all right, all yeah, right. Nobody, nobody was allowed. Bulletin board material. <laughs> um, what, what do you think of this rivalry in terms of? Are you okay if you know once Texas and Oklahoma are in and it's sixteen teams and it's if they go to four pods if this thing's not played every year? That would be odd. That would be odd. And, you know, I'm a person, I don't, I don't mind change, you know. It, it, it's not going to bother me. I know college football is a lot about history and tradition and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if it's, if it's an every other year thing, if they can somehow get a, you know, get the pod set up or however they're going to do it to where it's a cross-pod rivalry every couple of years, I think that'll, that'll be all right. I mean, a change is going to happen. We've known this for years. They've been talking about a, a you know, a four – 16 team uh you know conferences for a while it seemed like so if this is the the direction that it heads i'm perfectly fine with that are you one that's you know you like history you like alabama and tennessee playing the third no i'm good week of good. of, uh, of october and all. i'm good i mean i feel like this week uh probably you know less than any auburn georgia week i've covered there's been less talk about the actual rivalry aspect and that might be because gus malzahn's gone and he he used to talk about it a lot and it also might be because you know, since that game, I guess, in 2017, hadn't Georgia kind of, uh, you know, they've owned this thing. Uh, yeah. and I remember when this uh, rivalry was even. It was like at 55, 55. Yeah, like and a five-game lead The now. points were, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, within like two of each other. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do a quick over-under before we get to our picks. Touchdowns for Auburn. How many will they have? Ryan, go ahead. Probably at one and a half in it. Uh, I don't know. What, the, what do you – give me uh, a number. I'd say one and a half. No, you, they're not going to have a half, so you have to you have to give I'm, it. A, I'm setting the line for you, man. No. All, right, all right, then I'll uh, say I'll say two. All right, I got one. Okay, well, <laughs> so feels, I went over the one and a half. Fe- you went under. Feels like a thirty to ten game. Yeah, something like oh, that. There you go. Yeah. Rushing yards for Georgia. How many will they have? Uh, they just rushed for two hundred and seventy-three against Arkansas. Well, that, they'll go under that, I do believe. Uh, you know, I don't. I'll know. say 195. Ooh, really? I was gonna say a little less than that, maybe around 170. Because Stetson's gonna have some. Uh, they're gonna bounce it out a little more this year. All right. Uh, looking, got the wrong uh, thing up here. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Uh, completion per- percentage for Mr. Stetson Bennett. Um, presuming he starts, I will say 63. <laughs> that sounds like a good number. How about uh? How about 60% and, uh, you know, but he has some big plays in there. Rushing yards for Tank Bigsby. Now, Arkansas had 75 total rushing yards. Their leading rusher had 28. I will say 35. Uh, rushing yards? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Going against this defense, it's going to be hard. But I'd say a little more than that just because you, you think they might keep feeding him to, like uh, like Bennett said, to slow the game down. They might They might run the tank quite a bit. 
All right, it's time for our picks run. Uh, what did you say you did? How'd you do last week? I was five and seven last week, which puts me at a perfect even thirty-four and thirty-four this year. Thirty-four and thirty-four. Mm-hmm. You're way, how come you have like three more games than I do? I don't know. I went five and seven last week as well, so it was a tie. But I had myself now thirty-one and thirty-four. And I, and I, I think last week you said I was like one off. So I think you were. I think you're off. All right, let's just we'll say you're like two games up on me. We'll just call <laughs> it. Right. All right, let's make some picks. Let's start with Oklahoma and Texas in uh, the carnival they got there at the mm-hmm. state fair. Sooners by three and a half. Give me the Longhorns getting the points. I think uh, seeing Oklahoma with too many close calls and Texas, uh, put them, I put them back in my top 25 this week. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on that because Oklahoma has done nothing to, uh, to impress. Uh, Texas, not great either, but I think they have, uh, you know, they, they, they've come alive recently with, uh, with their uh, new uh, gunslinging head coach. Vanderbilt's at Florida. The Gators by 38 and a half points. I will say that's an awful lot of points. Vandy is not great, but hey, you know what? They just beat UConn. I'm going to take Vandy getting 38 and a half. That's a lot of points, yeah, like you said. And Florida's still licking its wounds, so I'll go with you and Vandy. You taking Vandy straight up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, but I think they can win uh, 35 or be within 35 nothing, maybe. South Carolina's going to Tennessee. Vols by 10 and a half in Knoxville. South Carolina with a home win against Troy last week. By give, nine. give me the Vols. I mean, they were they were so impressive last week at, they 60 at points? Missouri. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, that seems like a low number. I mean, you know, maybe they're uh patting themselves on the back still, but I say give me the uh Tennessee and the points. Sam Pittman, nice guy, a lot of hugs for the Georgia guys after the yeah, game the sweet. other day. That was sweet. Going to Ole Miss. I wonder if uh We'll talk about getting the popcorn out like uh, like Lane Kiffin did pregame when he tossed the headset. Right, I'm, gonna talk, I'm wearing a headset right now as we do this in the mm. podcast. Too. What if I toss this afterwards and just you know, probably have to edit that out? Kind of drop the it's like the <laughs> drop the mic moment. Uh, Rebels are favored by six and a half. I am taking Kiffin yeah. with a little bit of kettle corn instead of popcorn. Oh, this there week. you go. That sounds pretty delightful. Yeah, I mean, uh, give me. I think Ole Miss too at Ole Miss. Yep. Uh, and Arkansas pretty beat up after last week. Well, hey, let me pick the next one so we're not just copying each other all the way down. Oh. Georgia Tech's at Duke. The uh, Yellow Jackets are uh, favored by three and a half. No. That's bad. What are you doing? I'm picking Duke. So am I. Take the points. <laughs> go with David Cutcliffe and the I, Blue Devils. Did I not call that last week? You did. I, I mean, that was just set up perfectly for Pitt to just pound on oh, you can do. Sure you can do this one as, we, right, as right, we stay right. in the research triangle. Yeah. Florida State's at North Carolina. The Tar Heels are favored by 17 and a half points. Ooh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, I mean, FSU has done nothing good this year. Um, so give me FSU, though, to keep it within 17. I'm taking the Seminoles as well. I think they just came off their first one of the year for Florida State. Good for them. UConn is at UMass. This oh is a matchup Why? of teams that are ready for basketball season. Huskies are uh, favored by three and a half. I'm going to take Connecticut, give the three and a half. All right, give me UMass. Oregon State's at Washington State. It's um, Oregon State favored by three and a half in Pullman. Ryan, what are you doing? Um, give me Oregon State. 
I'm taking Oregon State as well. Something's going on with Washington State. No, Nick Rolovich, their head coach, has not been vaccinated, and they have some very strict mandates there. Uh-oh. So I think he's facing some deadline, either get vaccinated or get out, something like that. Uh, who, or who he, or he, might, he might have an exception. He doesn't play for the New Jersey Nets. Yeah, Kyrie going to play. Or Brooklyn Nets, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's who's I'm, the favorite in that? I'm taking Oregon State, minus three and a half. Yeah, thank you. Penn State's at Iowa. Oh, this, yeah. is, this is a... Uh, that's the 4 p.m. Fox game, if I'm not why is this? I don't know why this is. I guess maybe because the Fox game. I was going to say, why is ESPN game day not there? Mm-hmm. Hawkeye is favored by one and a half. They just pounded Maryland. Penn State, I have higher in my poll, I believe. But I'm going to take the men from the Midwest, and Penn State is not in the Midwest in my mind. So I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Yeah, give me Penn State then. I'll go the other route. I mean, it's the coin flip game. I, I would agree with you at, uh, at Iowa would give them the advantage. But, hey. Notre Dame coming off a loss at Cincinnati is going to Virginia Tech. Hokies are favored. I haven't seen this number. By a half a point. So wow. I, don't know, I don't know what that means exactly. That's a coin flip, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I am taking the Irish, I guess, getting the half point. So now what, what does that mean? You can't, you can't have a tie game. So is that, what does that mean? Well, I mean, if uh, – oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All uh, right. I am taking. Um, I, I'll go I'm taking that. Notre Dame. They're, they're not losing that. back-to-back games. Yeah, it, they are. At Virginia. It's the storied Irish. Nope. Oh, they're not good. North Texas is at Missouri. Not a, not a great season for Missouri. I thought they might be the second place SEC East team. I was way off on that. Wildcats are favored. Wait. They're not Wildcats. Tigers yeah. are favored by 17 and a half points. And normally I would not take that, given what Mizzou's been doing. But North Texas is not good. I am taking the Tigers, giving 17 and a half. I'll go to North Texas. All right. LSU's at Kentucky. Things are getting a little dicey for Ed Orgeron. Um, yeah, I've heard some bad things. LSU is getting three and a half. I am taking Kentucky at home. That means they'll come here next week unbeaten. Well, I was going to say, isn't that a perfect setup, though? LSU coming off a bad late loss to Auburn and then Kentucky with Georgia ahead. Uh, in fact, what's the line? It's uh, Kentucky by three and a half. Give me LSU. All right, two more games. Alabama at Texas A&M. The Tide are favored by 17 and a half. Yeah. I don't know. Texas A&M, the, the bottom's falling out from that team. This is a primetime game. CBS probably wishing it wasn't. <laughs> I'm taking Nick Saban and your Alabama Crimson. Yeah, I might just take Alabama every time going forward because I don't think anybody except Georgia's in their league. Georgia's at Auburn, as we've mentioned. Bulldogs are favored by 16.5. Look, last week I thought the point spread was too much against Arkansas and it bit me in the ash. Um, (laughs) I am taking Georgia. Giving the 16 and a half, this defense is too good. I, I don't know which Bo Nix we're going to see. Yeah. I'm not uh, overly impressed with what I'm seeing um, on, uh, you know, with Auburn's skill positions. I mean, all credit to their tight ends who are doing a great job. But, you know, D-Rob is their second uh, top receiver, and he couldn't really get on the field much at Georgia. Right, right. Maybe this year he would have. Uh, I'm Maybe. taking Georgia. And um, this is a battle-tested team. I think they're going to win. Maybe it'll be, I think I said 30 to 10 earlier. I'll stick with that. Yeah, maybe uh, I might have the same uh, thought process with them in Alabama. I think that they're head and shoulders above everybody. Give me whatever line it is pretty much each week, unless it's just astronomical. And I think I'll probably pick, uh, pick Georgia and Alabama. So if, if they're favored by 65 against Charleston Southern, you're taking? Oh, yeah, no, probably not. That's probably too high. But I think we learned our lesson last week that uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna be those two teams in the end. So, all right, enjoy uh, your weekend. Maybe you'll have some split screens with some uh, Georgia and some Braves. Uh, Might do it. Check it out. Uh, go to online Athens for all our 
all our stories. Hey, you know what? If you want to uh, give us a five-star review, Ryan would appreciate that. Yeah, it would be a wedding gift for him. Um, yeah, thank you. Even leave, a, leave something in the comments. Um, and uh, appreciate it. We'll talk to you all next time. See you. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams. Let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.